So our scripture reading for today comes from 1 Peter and from Romans. 1 Peter 1, 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Romans 9, 23 through 26. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared before for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, There they will be called sons of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to need my uh, librarians and book fans this morning to affirm a hunch of mine that you'll find out in just a minute. Because in 2007, uh, there was a movie that came out that was supposed to be like a must-see for for kids and parents. It was, it was a movie that had been based on a famous book, um, a book that I'd never read, but it was a, a book about kids who created imaginary world uh, to help them escape their, their difficult childhood situations, their hard lives, you would say. Does anybody have a guess of what that book slash movie is? Oh, not yet there. Yeah, not there yet. Anybody know? Just to say it. Bridge Terror... There it is. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So I, I hadn't read the book. I didn't know a thing about it. Not one thing. Um, but so we, we decided, you know, this movie's out. It's all the rage. And I went naively uh, with Beth and Tristan, who was, I don't know, young at that point, um, elementary school still, uh, to go see this heartwarming film. Uh, and the first, like, hour and a half went pretty well, right? It's, uh, you know, it's exciting, it's adventure, it's kind of this, you know, this, this new world that they've created. It's really cool. And, and just so you know, I'm totally going to give the movie away, but it was in 2007, so it's too bad for you. And if you still want to see it, you won't want to after this moment. I'm just about to tell you. So I will have saved you, like, decades of pain, by the way. So the movie, movie is going along just fine. And then, wham, out of nowhere. And if you've seen that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, audible gasps and, like, boo-hoo sobbing in, in the, just out of nowhere, right? Um, because what happens? The main character dies. Like, this kid's movie, the coolest character of any, like, kid's movie ever, just, she's just awesome, I, anyway, I, I get a little worked up about this. I apologize. But so, like, I would just say, I'm, I've, I've never been in a theater in a moment like that before, ever. And, and, and I will say, I've never been so shocked 
like maybe in my life. Like it was the most shocking moment ever. Like Beth, Tristan, me, and millions of other unexpected moviegoers are still not over. I'm still not over this movie. I'm so mad. Um, As you can tell, I'm still upset about it. Like why not just kill little orphan Annie, right? Why, why not, you know, Dorothy from Oz get killed by flying monkeys? Like, whose idea was this, by the way? Like, this is terrible. So, like, w- this movie is not a topic in my house anymore because we just get so worked up. Like, it was so traumatizing for Tristan. It was like, anyway, incredible shock. For, is, it, is the book better, by the way? Can, can you tell me? If, I've heard the book's incredible, but it's hopefully better than that movie, because, yeah, anyway, I'm sure it's a great book, and anyway, I just didn't know, because I was in shock, all right, just total shock. Well, this morning, uh, our passage of scripture is going to leave you in shock. Uh, If if you've never heard Hosea before, uh, you'll have the same kind of feeling as I had in that movie theater. Um, You're going to run through a gamut of emotions as you hear uh, the shocking thing that, that God tells his prophet to do. And, and, and then you'll see a shocking conclusion, um, and it points to the main point of the story, which is the love of God. Um, and so just a word of caution, if you're not familiar with the languages of, of Hosea, it, it is shocking, and, and you'll, it will feel a little bit offensive. Um, it's not a G-rated book. I'm going to do my best uh, to ad- adapt that a little bit so that we're all on the same page. Uh, without, you know, hopefully you'll get the point without us having to go too far with that. Um, but I, I share this book with you not to shock or offend. That's not the point. But because there's so much important truth uh, about God. Uh, and, and we'll see more in this book. So let's pray as we go to God's word. Father, would you give us wisdom? Would you lead us in your word? Father, let, let, let it not be my wisdom or my words this morning, but your truth. Help us as we understand more of who you are, more of what you have done for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we're going to start this morning by reading Hosea 3. We're going to read the whole chapter, but you're in luck because it's only five verses. Um, I am going to out loud change some of the vocabulary. Um, Hosea 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the harlot uh, or belong to another man. So also I will be with you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in in fear to the Lord and to his goodness. 
in the latter days. So we jumped right into the big part of the story, and so I need to give you a little bit of, of, of background, both historically and, um, and in, in the context of where we are in this book. The author uh, of the book is Hosea. He's a prophet. Um, we don't know exactly where he's from. The town that he mentions, nobody knows where it is. Um, but we believe that he spent his entire career uh, in the city of Samaria, which if, if we can get that map up, we've, we've had this map going for a little bit. So Samaria is in the blue part there. There's a star next to it. If you can see that far. Samaria was like, we'll just call it the capital of Israel. So Israel's the northern kingdom, and then yellow is the southern kingdom of Judah. And Jerusalem is where they're supposed to be worshiping, which is the yellow, the star in the yellow. The blue guys don't ever want to go down to Judah again, so they create their own whole high places of worship, um, which is in disobedience to what God had told them to do. But so, so our prophet for this morning is Hosea. He is ministering in the, the capital city of Samaria. Um, and so we are in a, a, a series this summer through the Minor Prophets. I think we're on week number four or five. I've lost track in my mind. I, th- I think maybe this is the fifth. But um, so um, we know in terms of the time frame for Hosea uh, where he is because he lists some of the kings of Judah and the kings of Assyria. And so we know that that puts him in the mid-700s. If we can, yeah, there we go the mid-700s, all the way through, we keep talking about this really important date, which is 722 B.C., and that is when Israel falls and is destroyed by the Assyrians. And so you can kind of see Hosea there in those little rectangles. He's he's got a really long ministry, uh, but but he sees the destruction uh, of Israel. Um, And we've talked about, uh, you had a handout, and also we can go to the next one there, that next slide of when they were and who their audience is. And we would say Hosea is minister, he's a prophet to Israel, the northern kingdom. He's telling them what they've done wrong. He's telling them the judgment that's coming. And then remember we said the third thing that they always say is there's like this message of hope. And so that's what he's doing. He's in the northern kingdom. Um. His ministry goes, uh, we've got 14 chapters of Hosea, so obviously uh, I can't tell you all about this book because there's way too much, but um, we think his ministry expands somewhere between 40, 50, some say even 60 years of of being a prophet. So so the the weird thing about trying to read Hosea is you've got 60 years of things that he wrote down and trying to make them feel like one book. It's it's definitely choppy. It's a hard book to read if you've ever tried to just sit down and read it. And we don't know exactly the times of when he said that part and that part and, and exactly what it was for. But, um, but we try to use them together to see, as we said, well, you know, how is God a God who redeems? Um, Jose is known for unique language. He has kind of some different vocabulary. And, and he uses some, some really uh, wild imagery uh, in, in the way he writes. One of the things that we have to say when we talk about prophets is, is that the way that God worked through the prophets is, is strange to us. Um, you know, we're over three, you know, 3,000 years removed from these events. Um, 
God would use the prophets in a, in a, in a way that today in our culture we would go, that, that doesn't make any sense. And, and, and we would say in some of them it didn't make sense then either, right? R- remember that, that God had Isaiah walk around and we'll just say his underwear um, to show Egypt that they would be defeated. Um, he had Ezekiel lay on his side, if you remember, on one side for a long time and then another side, you know, to show the punishments that were coming. Um, it, you know, actually, Ezekiel did a whole lot of weird things as a prophet. And um, some say Ezekiel was insane, but I think it was because he was working as a prophet. He, he saw the judgments that were coming. So um, Jeremiah was commanded to buy a belt, uh, if you remember this story, and then bury it in the, in the uh, uh, and then to pull it up to show how worthless and rotted it had become because he was going to show Jerusalem, this is what's going to become of you. And see, we go, well, that's, those things seem strange to us. None of those really fit in our context and our culture. So it's, sometimes it's hard to read these prophets and, and understand why he would have them do what he did. And, and, and what God asks Hosea to do, I think is probably a more painful thing emotionally than, than, than some of the things that he had some of his other prophets do. And, and, and it would have been painful for Hosea, but it also, I think, would have been shocking to his audience. Because this book changes the idea of their relationship with God from, like, king and subjects, which is what most of us think of when people think of God, and what it means, you know, you're a subject in his kingdom, he's the king, right? Um, this book changes it to also include a, a marital relationship. Uh, what does it look like to be married, to be in this kind of covenant marriage with, with God as a husband and wife would be. In our, in our story this morning, Hosea is called by God to marry a woman who is, I'm just going to use the term harlot, um, and that should be enough uh, for this morning. There's a lot of debate about whether she was um, a professional in that business or whether she was just an immoral woman. Um, There are scholars on all different kinds of sides of that. Um, More than likely, she was just um, an immoral, promiscuous person before um, before, uh, God tells Hosea to go marry her um, and to live with her and to have children. And, and so many scholars, if you, if you read the book, it makes sense that the first child is theirs together, but the second and third children seem like they're probably not, okay? Um, and, and it's because she has been acting like a harlot. Um, so, as we just said, uh, Hosea marries this woman, her name is Gomer, and they have three children as a family, um, the, f- the first is a son, and God tells Hosea to name, uh, to name that son Jezreel. And Jezreel means roughly God will scatter. God's going to scatter. So, so not necessarily the best name for a kid. That's what, that's what the first son uh, is named. And he says the, the name is to reveal uh, Israel's sin and their impending doom. Okay, so imagine being named that. Not, not the best name growing up, probably. But it gets worse. The second child is a daughter, and her name is No Mercy. That's her name, No Mercy. Because 
God says he's not going to show mercy to Israel. So name your daughter, no mercy. She will be a sign to the people that I'm not going to have mercy on Israel. And then there's a third child. He's a son. uh, And his name is not my people. So, So God will scatter, no mercy, and not my people. Those are the three son or three children of Hosea. Um, and, and the third is named that because it says God is going to reject Israel as his people. They're, they're not going to be his people anymore. Um, so, so chapter 1 shows a, a message of judgment and destruction, um, but also kind of a glimpse of, of hope that maybe all of this judgment that's coming won't be final. So, again, context, where are we in the story? Hosea has married Gomer. Uh, this 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 harlot, and they have three terribly named children, two of whom might not be Hosea's. What could go wrong, right? This sounds like a picture of paradise, right? Well, surprise, surprise, Gomer uh, is unfaithful, and chapter 2 depicts her running away to live a worldly life with other companions. Um, and, and that chapter 2 is full of just how awful uh, she is acting and, and how terrible her decisions are, um, among other things. Um, she has left her covenant marriage and, um, and is, is finding a life outside of that and, and in numerous other places. And, and so chapter 2 is written, starts out being written in the perspective of a Hosea who is doing everything he can uh, to help her and to keep her uh, from continuing in this lifestyle trying to impede her rebelliousness. But she s- refuses time after time to come home. And it's, it's a, a depressing, terrible story, and you're at that point thinking, what in the world is this about? But I need to tell you something really important about Hosea and Gomer. God says that their, their relationship, their marriage, is a reflection of God's relationship with us. And guess what? We are not Hosea in the story. We are not the faithful husband in the story. More on that in in a minute. So by the end of chapter 2, God, sorry, Gomer has has gone ahead and gotten herself in such a mess that it seems as though she has been taken into slavery or in a in a, that profession of harlotry, you might say. Um, and she belongs to someone else. She, she is no longer, yeah, she's, she's, she belongs to somebody else. It's a terrible situation. But so God starts to speak at the end of chapter 2. And um, basically what he says is, she, you know, she's going to come to the end of her road and realize that her life was better with her loving, faithful husband, and that she's going to want to come home once she has lived out all this sin and just come to destruction. But she can't even choose to come home. She is so much in slavery that she can't choose to come home even if she wanted to. Because she's been enslaved. She is in bondage. And so, you may already be thinking this, but pick what are the spiritual aspects of that, right? People who want to be free but can't because they're in such spiritual bondage to sin. So I want you to just listen to this powerful statement uh, that is made by God at the end of of chapter 2. I'm reading it out of the CSB 
Um, and again, I'm going to change up maybe some of the language. So it says, I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion. That's verse 19. I'm in verse 20. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord. This is God speaking. On that day, I will respond. This is the Lord's declaration. I will respond to the sky, and it will respond to the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will sow her. Remember, he says, I'm going to scatter her at one point. I'm going to scatter Jezreel. But he says, I will sow her in the land for myself. I'm going to bring her in and sow. I'm going to bring her to, I'm going to gather her together. He says, I will have compassion on lo ruhamah, which is no mercy. I will have compassion and mercy on no mercy. And I will say to lo ami, which means you're not my people, you are my people. I'm going to say to not my people, you are my people. And he will say, you are my God. God is going to restore a marriage here at the end of chapter 2. He's going to restore the sanctity of the marriage. He will have his wife back in righteousness and justice, in love and in compassion. There's no more beautiful imagery than, than this. This is the promise and the action of God. He says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to bring my wife back and I'm going to restore her in purity and in love and compassion. She's going to be mine again. So now we need to look at chapter 3, which we've already read, but in the context of what we now know. Let's look at it one more time. This is Hosea speaking. So he says, The Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins, which was a part of We'll just say infidelity and sin, okay? Uh, Even though Israel has been acting that way, in the same way that I'm bringing them back and loving them, I want you to to do that same thing with, with your wife. I want you to bring her back and marry her again. So I said to her, you will dwell as mine for many days. You shall not act like a harlot or belong to another. And so I will also be to you, right? Faithful. I'll be faithful. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall come in and fear fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. So I I want you to just picture a modern day uh, version of this, right? A a famous, well-respected pastor is, is called to marry someone in adult entertainment, okay? If you want to think of Billy Graham or Tim Keller, if you want to think of somebody, Beth Moore is called to marry Axl Rose. I, you know, I don't know. You Use your own imagery here, however is best for you, right? He marries them, shows them off to the church to show how much they love them. This is my wife who I love so much. Look at her, and, and it treats them so well. This is the perfect husband. And then... And then what happens? They run away, and they're caught in scandal, and they make all the, the, you know, the tabloids, and they're on the front page of every awful thing you can imagine, right? Well, I thought they were married to Billy Graham. We knew this. How would we respond? How would, how would, how would the, 
the Christian church as a whole respond to that situation if we saw it publicly play out like that? Told you so. Good riddance. We knew they were trouble. I don't know what you were thinking. And then God says, hey, go get them back. Go bring her back. Bring her home and make her your wife again. Can you imagine the scandal? Could you imagine what would, what would take place in all the Christian magazines and the podcasts of the world? What are they doing? Look at the hypocrisy. What a terrible thing. Modern day scandal. And so here goes Hosea. Right? Going around, you can just imagine, picture him trying to find Gomer, who has treated him so poorly over and over again, who has been so unfaithful. But he finally finds her. But she belongs to somebody else now. Most scholars, or many scholars, believe that he actually finds her at a slave auction. That's where he finds Gomer. We, we don't know, but... But the point is that he has to buy her back. He has to buy his wife back because she belongs to someone else. And, and it's 15 shekels and then some, some other things. Approximately 30 shekels. 30 shekels of silver. That might sound familiar to you. Right? What was the, what was, what was, uh, the price of, of betrayal by Judas? It's the same that was kind of a universal idea of what was the cost of buying a, a slave. 30 shekels of silver. That's what Judas took for Jesus. See the imagery we've got going on here. Hosea buys his wife back out of slavery in an act of love and devotion that none of us could imagine. So you already know this, but as I ask the question, who is Hosea in the story? It's God, right? Or it's, it's this Christ figure, Hosea. And who, who is Gomer in the story? It's, it's Israel, but it's also us, right? We are the unfaithful, immoral one. And we must never forget our our dynamic, our role in the relationship, our part in the relationship with God, the unfaithful ones, the unfaithful ones. So again, there's so much in 14 chapters that, that, I, that, that I'm just not going to be able to, to talk about, but I want to just mention a few things that I think are, are a big part of this, you know, kind of big story of God's redemption and this, this amazing love story of Hosea. The first thing is this. God loves us a lot. He loves us a lot. He loves us because he loves us. Not because we are lovable. Not because we are deserving. He just loves us. And it is a sacrificial love. It's, it's beyond just, hey, I have fond feelings for you, right? It, it goes well beyond that. It's a, a love of action. It's a love of giving, even though we have broken his heart and betrayed him in, in unfaithfulness, he still pursues us. He still finds us, pursues us, and goes and he buys us back. He brings us back. 
This is incredible stuff. Again, shocking. Second, I want you to notice that God tells Hosea to love her in 3-1. To love her. The temptation would be for Hosea to buy her back and to make her live in the basement. You owe me forever for this. You're my servant. God says to make her his wife again. This beautiful imagery. To make her his wife again. And, and this is where, again, I just, I, I don't even know how to talk about this, right? But, but God loves us. And, and, and so Jesus is sent to, to buy us, to bring us out of slavery. And again, not to just make us live as a doormat. Not to just live in the basement. It says he, he loves us. And he welcomes us home and he makes us his bride. That's the imagery of the New Testament. We are his bride. He loves us like that. Not as slaves, but as a bride. This, this is not found in any other religion, by the way. The God who redeems the harlot makes her his wife and treats her with honor and love and respect and is constantly making her more and more holy to present her blameless. This is incredible stuff. Third, I want you to notice that, that God is not a doormat or a pushover in this. There, there is the language of chapter 3 that, that the calling on, on her now as she comes home is, is to be faithful. Be a wife. Act like a wife. You must live like my bride. God redeems us, restore us, but he tells us to treat him with faithfulness. That's what this is supposed to look like. And, and much of the other 14 chapters of Hosea describe how Israel over and over again will not be faithful as God's people. And he says, this is the stuff that's going to lead to your destruction. Paul says in Romans, how can we possibly go back to, under, to sin once we understand that we've been freed from sin, right? Why would you, you've been freed from, as a slave, why would you go back to slavery? Why not stay in freedom with God? Once you see what Christ has done for you, once you understand the beauty of the gospel, why would you ever want to do something else but live for him and with him in a, this beautiful marriage relationship where we are his people, we are his bride forever? And, and, and I'll, I'll just kind of as a side note say, uh, you know, it's hard to read Hosea and, and some of these other minor prophets because you say, well, God, I don't have any Baals. I'm not worshiping at any of these crazy altars or high places in Israel. Why, what does this have to do with me? And this is the call on us, right? Are there other things that we have set up as gods? Maybe it's not a Baal, but what have we set up as gods? Is it our financial security? Is it popularity? Is it acceptance, a friendship? What, what are the things that we pursue? Entertainment and comfort? You know, I think if Hosea was here today, his message, the big picture would be the same. The specifics would look a little different. But all of us spend our time pursuing other things. We're, we're too accustomed to the things of this world. And he would say, be faithful to your Savior. Don't, don't live for other things. We've been freed from that lifestyle. You've been freed from the world. Live for Christ. That's how this uh, 
it can translate for us today. And so the last thing I, I want you to know about Hosea is, is that, again, God describes how he has, a, has bigger plans than we ever could have guessed. And, and again, this is the shocking stuff to them. It's still shocking to us. But as the prophet started to get a picture of God was doing something else in this, this huge story of redemption. And, and we read it just a little bit ago in Romans chapter 9. I want you to hear it again. It says, In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, which I, I will always say, I'm a Gentile, I think probably most of you, almost all of you would be, maybe some of you have some Jewish heritage, but probably all of us are Gentiles. This is good news for us. And it says, as he indeed says in Hosea, those who were not my people, remember that I will call them my people, and her who had no mercy or was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. So what are, what are we? We are the sons and daughters of the living God. We were not his people, but this big picture of redemption that he has, he shows Hosea, I'm going to start bringing in these people who are not my people, but they will become my people because of the work of Jesus. God is working to call a people to himself, a people who have no right to be his people. And it is because of the good news of Jesus that any of us can be his people. And, and if you go to Romans chapter 5, we, we see a similar idea that, that we get from Hosea and Gomer. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God is the pursuer through Christ. Just like Hosea is looking to find Gomer. Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, this God we serve is an incredible, has an incredible love for us. And if the story of Hosea and Gomer doesn't shock you into understanding what Christ has done for us, then I just don't know what will. I don't know how else to, to help you understand the gospel, this shocking love story. In Christ you are redeemed, purchased out of slavery, and given the privilege of being called Christ's bride, being his people. And so we have a choice, right? We can live the worldly life of Gomer, being enslaved to sin and all of the destruction and the, the terrible consequences of that. Or you can choose to be set free and redeemed by Christ who gave himself for you. There's nothing else he can do but give his life for you to bring you home to himself. Choose that redeemer. Choose Christ. Let's pray. Father, we can grow accustomed to hearing about the work of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and, and hear it so often that it almost becomes commonplace. It almost becomes something we're numb to. I'm thankful for stories like Hosea. They remind us of who we are, the unfaithful ones. Yet you called us to yourself because you have an incredible love 
more than we could ever understand. But God, would you continue to give us more and more glimpses of it? Would you continue to change us by the good news of the gospel? Father, that we would be more and more of your people, more and more of what it looks like to be redeemed and made holy as the bride of Christ. And help us to share that news with everyone we come in contact with, that they would know that there is an incredible love story. There's a God who loves them and wants to bring them home. Thank you, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.